0: Ask a VC by Ryan Floyd. Thoughts on venture capital and growing your SaaS startup. Hey, everyone. My name is Ryan Floyd. I'm a managing director at Storm Ventures. We're an early stage B2B-focused venture fund. Welcome to a new episode of my podcast series, Ask a VC, where I give advice to you to help you grow your SaaS business, similar to what I'd be sharing with you if I was an investor or advisor on the board of your company. I originally recorded most of these episodes as videos, which you can see on my YouTube channel, Ask a VC. So as a result, please excuse any visual references in the podcast, though I don't think there are many. I hope you enjoy. It's a continuation of my conversation with Tim Crawford. Conversation went longer than I expected. I thought it was great. So I wanted to break it into two uh, episodes for you. Um, And uh, Tim uh, has been a CIO for many, many years. He's someone I've known probably for 20. Uh, And now he's a strategic advisor to CIOs and hosts an awesome podcast called CIO in the Know. And uh, this is the second part of that uh, interview. So I hope you enjoy. If you have any thoughts or comments, please leave them below and I'll do my best to respond to them. And uh, in the meantime, I hope you enjoy and and stay safe. Thanks. You know, you and I were talking a bit offline about this, you know, the, the idea behind digital transformation, this kind of big, big term. And, you know, I think what we just talked about, a lot of our companies are excited about that, that trend as there's this acceleration to many of these clouds, cloud-based services that a lot of our companies are building towards. Um, you know, whether it's just to think of a couple of examples, we have a Uh, call center SaaS company called TalkDesk that is doing Mm -hmm. very well right now uh, because anyone that had a physical call center that still needs to support their customers um, or even internally needed to support their own existing employees now has to figure out a way to do it uh, in a distributed uh, manner. Or we have a company, Workado, uh, that's doing automation, uh, and maybe your point about you know uh, machine learning and taking advantage of this time—they've um, just seen a lot of interest in automating workflows and a real uptake there. Which you know I still kind of put under the banner of kind of digital transformation, but there there seems to be this acceleration happening there in certain areas that are exciting. But I know you know you've you've got some different perspectives on that. So how yeah, and based on your conversation with CIO, so how are you thinking about? That, do you see the same acceleration or is it, is it still kind of a, a venture-hyped term?
1: Well, venture-hyped <laughs> term. Boy, if we're that very isn't – uh, we're,
0: very, we're very good at banging the drum and, and hyping up terms for sure.
1: Well, okay, but let's pick apart those two pieces because, you know, when I think of, of the, the companies like TalkDesk and whatnot that, that you've articulated, absolutely, if you're running a physical call center, I mean, you're, you're hosed. Right? You're you're stuck. And making that move is is not trivial because it's not as much just moving the technology. Now you have to change all the numbers, you've got to change all the processes, you've got to train people in a different way. They've got to be set up to be able to work uh, remotely to be able to do that. I mean, is the automation and the routines in place today to be able to do it? All of the examples that you used are great examples of where companies are moving to. They're finding ways to automate, finding ways to use technology in a meaningful way to either augment what humans were doing or, in some cases, replacing them so they can redeploy those humans into more valuable roles. I mean, let's be, let, let's be honest about this. I'm not suggesting that technology replaces humans and we start turning into some science fiction story. That's not what this is no. about. Right. This is about leveraging technology to be able to do things that we could never do before. That's right. Right.
0: That's and really, so- I, I totally agree with you. that I think people get confused about that, and and it's the scary boogeyman of automation. But but in reality, the productivity and the capability that it introduces is introduces rather is um is it, you know it just that that's what's interesting. I mean people aren't generally good, for example, at looking at patterns in data. That's just, we're we're just, we're not not built for that. Right. Right. But but with the help of machines, all of a sudden we're very good at that.
1: Yes. Yeah. And, and also to that point in data, we as humans can only consume so much data, even visually, right? right? It's easier to visualize data than it is to see numbers on a page, but, when you're talking about the kinds of data and the volume of data and, and just the, the variability of data that we have to, have to get our arms around to make business decisions, that's getting so complicated that forget about the, the technology seeing things that we can't see as humans. We just can't scale to that level. We've passed that point. And so technology has to step in for us just to maintain But that that doesn't conflict with your point around using technology to identify opportunities that we wouldn't otherwise see as humans. And so all of those points are correct. The thing I wanted to separate was between those types of companies and making those kinds of moves, I absolutely agree. And in fact, the companies that and CIOs that I engage with, Right, left, and center, they're all looking for automation opportunities. They're looking for ML, AI, cloud, but it's not technology for tech's sake. And this is where I shift gears to talk about digital transformation. Digital transformation, the problem, why it was dead on arrival, (laughs) and I'm going to be really provocative, but this is how it's playing out. Digital transformation is dead. And the reason why digital transformation is dead and it was dead on arrival was because it was tech for tech's sake. There was too much, too much focus on, hey, do, put this technology in, it'll make you faster. It'll make you more agile. Okay, if you go to a CEO and say, great, so we're going to spend $5 million and we're going to be more agile, what's the CEO of the company going to say? What does that mean? Right. So does that mean I'm gonna increase revenue by ten percent? Does it mean I'm gonna I mean, what does that mean in business metrics? Not IT metrics, business metrics. I and mean, this
0: plays into what you're saying earlier about, you know, the CIO is really about business transformation. It's not exactly. it's not just a technical conversation. So That's right. I, I mean, I would agree with you on that definition of just, you know, tech for tech's sake. Yeah, that's a tough pitch.
1: But this is but unfortunately, Ryan, this is exactly what was playing out was that folks were sold on the idea and again go back to what i was saying traditional ciO versus transformational traditional is focused on technology so if you take that approach of installing this technology modernizing this technology with the the hope that down the road there will be an opportunity you've you've really kind of stepped into a big pile and so what what happened was they would spend literally millions upon millions. In fact, I just had a conversation with someone um, either earlier this week or last week about the same issue, and they, said, they corrected me, and they said, no, 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 no. It's not that it was being spent. It still is being spent. Mm. There's, there are millions still being spent today with no hope or prayer of a solid business outcome.
0: What's and, the thinking? Is it just thinking it's like sunk cost? It's like it's like we're in well, no, th- for a th- pound or what?
1: So so they thought that, that this would be good for us. But the problem is now you get to this point. So now we're into the virus crisis. We're into the economic crisis. Now everything is compressed and gotten more focus, right? Every dollar that gets spent has a lot more scrutiny on it. You know, if we go back six months ago, there was a lot less scrutiny on every dollar than there was today than there is today and so the problem is they spend these millions of dollars they've sold this project they've sold this initiative and then they're like okay so what do we get for it right and they're having trouble again in business terms they're having trouble articulating what those business terms are in a meaningful way that the rest of the c-suite can buy into now that should have been a problem before it even got off the ground right so here's the solution The solution is not more digital transformation. Digital transformation is not the starting point. And in fact, many CIOs, if you go to them with the prospect of digital transformation, they'll exit you out the room. (laughs) Seriously, because they know that it's, it's focused on the tech and they're not interested in te- in the tech. They're interested in the business outcomes. 100%. If you focus on the business value and again, business value is not agile. It's not, you know, flexibility. You've got to turn this into a, a demonstrable real business outcome that aligns with the objectives of the executive team and the company. If you can tie yourself to that outcome and say, look, we're going to increase your revenue by 10%. And here are the couple of dots to be able to get there. I don't mean 20 dots. If you're doing 20 dots, forget about it. But if you can connect within a couple of dots and show how your solution is going to contribute to that, great, you're in a good place to be. But if you're starting here and saying, hey, we got this great technology, it's really cool. You know, in fact, I was just having a conversation with someone the other day. And they were explaining to me that it's not just about cool technology anymore. It's about having a purpose. And I think this is, I think it was a really interesting perspective because this is the kind of thing where you have to step back and say, again, go back to the relationship versus the transaction. What's more important? The relationship. Well, what's important to me as a CIO from the relationship that you're going to help me meet some business objectives? Yep. Now I'm not going to tell you what those business objectives are. You've got to do your homework, but it's not, it's not that hard to figure that out for any given industry. It really isn't.
0: No, yeah, no, you're right. I, I think, yeah, I mean, focusing on that business value and, 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 uh, avoiding just pure tech pitches. Um, yeah, that's, that's good. Good advice that, you know, I think everyone should never take for granted. Um, yeah, uh, it's, it's great. Well, So maybe just, you know, moving on to a different question. Um, You and I both live in California and it does feel a bit like the public officials here might keep us sheltering in place to September, but I do think they're going to get some pressure on them as the rest of the country starts to loosen up restrictions. Um, And we're all starting to contemplate now what that's going to mean and back to work kind of, uh, back to something, something different. How how are you and others, kind of CIOs, thinking about that whole back to work kind of next phase? I guess because there does seem to be some things like telemedicine that seem to work pretty well for a lot of people. Not perfect, and then there's some other things, in my opinion, like. Uh, distance learning for primary uh, kids, that is pretty tough to execute. Yep. Um, uh, that just distance learning doesn't you know, adapt really well for that age group.
1: Yeah, a kindergartner uh, in front of a screen. Yeah, <laughs> that doesn't happen. Well, you can put them in front of the screen. I just don't know
0: if they're necessarily <laughs> going to be lear- learning a lot. So right. what, you know, in a business context, I mean, we're thinking about this our, ourselves for, for store. Yeah. what that means. You know, I can't, you know, it's hard for me to see in this next phase, we're going to be meeting with entrepreneurs face to face in our office. I mean, we'll, we'll see we're, I'm, we're taking it, you know, this is May 8th today. It could be very different next week, obviously next month. How are you and other CIOs thinking about the whole back to work and what that's going to look like?
1: Yeah, most most organizations, most enterprises have a team of folks that are collaborating to work on that, and the CIO is part of that equation because you have a, a couple of different dynamics. You know you're right, you know in California we have um, we have kind of an interesting situation, and you're in Northern California, I'm in Southern California, um, here where I am, I'm literally just a couple miles from some of the most beautiful beaches in the country, and most um, right. It's, you know, I usually have my Zoom background is one of the picture from the beach, uh, just down the road from us. Yeah. But um, the my point is, there's going to be a lot of pressure by organizations to try and get people back to work, if anything, from an economic standpoint, right? So how do you keep that balance of health and, and economy, you know, keep people safe, but at the same time, get the wheels of economy uh, working again. I mean, do you, think,
0: do you think CIOs in general take the approach, you know, Google's made the announcement that, you know, they'll encourage people to work from home through the balance of the year. Facebook made that announcement this week. Do you think other CIOs are sort of saying, hey, this work from home thing, we can sort of make it work for those industries. Yeah. That have workers that are capable of doing that. Obviously, that's not everybody. Are they going to embrace remote work more? I mean, I mean, just to digress for a second, it, you know, we have a number of companies that are fully distributed in Storm's portfolio. So that is to say, they do not have an office at all, really. Um, they have mailing address and so forth, but but it's a fully distributed team. Yep. Um, and I think there's been a lot of resistance by bigger companies to that culture and how to make that work. And one of the questions we wonder about is going forward. Are many, you know, more are gonna people are gonna really embrace embrace, uh, you know, that remote work and being fully distributed and understanding now having had run the experiment themselves that it actually can work.
1: So I think in the long term, no. Um, and the reason I say that is because people are are really interesting p- interesting things to observe. You know, some of us are extroverted. Some of us are introverted. You know, those of us that are introverted, we're loving this right now, right? We can stay at home. We don't have to go out into the public as much. um, Don't have to go into the workplace. We're not as comfortable with that face-to-face interaction. Um, Those of us that are extroverted are the exact opposite. We don't want to be cooped up in our house. We want to get back in the office, having that water cooler talk with folks. And we don't, let's face it, you and I might have a good video conference meeting this way, but it doesn't solve all of the different interactions and communications that we would have if we yep. were in the same office together. Yes. So, we're, we're missing something here along the way, and we have to remember that. The conversations that I'm having with other CIOs and the guidance that, that I'm offering to them is, is this. You know, they typically already have uh, teams in place, not just within IT, but it might be someone from the uh, HR group and someone from marketing and someone from the executive team and someone from engineering, you know, that, that all collaborate on who comes in, who works, who doesn't, you know, do you have a, do you have different shifts of people that, you know, you're a Monday, Friday person, the next person might be a Tuesday, Wednesday person. And so you kind of offset the, the desk usage or do you kind of do the checkerboard approach where every other desk is, is open? Um, it's not, it's not easy. We're not, we're not really geared up for this. And is that a temporary thing? And then eventually a year from now, after vaccine and herd immunity really kind of kicks in, we go back to everybody kind of scrunched together. Um, these are all fine questions that there are no good answers to. And so just like, An earlier comment I made, it's all across the map in terms of what the plans are. I just read a story uh, just recently that CEOs are pushing to get their teams back in the office because they don't want people working from home. Yes, they were able to work from home, but they don't want people working from home. So if there's a company that has a strong office work culture, I fully expect as soon as possible, those folks will be back in the office. On the other extreme, one CIO told me that um, that they they typically had people working in the office and they really tried to get people into offices. But after this great experiment, they fully realized that those folks don't need to be in the office and they're giving them the option to work remote to the extent that there was some, the example the CIO had mentioned was they had someone who was just about to start and coming from another country into the U.S. to start a new role. right? And when this kind of stay-at-home hit, they're like, maybe you don't need to. And so since then, they've decided, you know what? People can work from home. We're good with that. You don't have to come into the office. But I think it'll equalize over time. The challenge here, Ryan, is, again, going back to what I was saying about herd immunity, vaccine, until you get stability around the virus crisis, you will not have stability in how we function in the economic crisis and beyond that, the social well, impact.
0: Yeah, no, you're, you are, you're, I mean, I agree with that completely. The uncertainty as we were just talking about is, you know, it, it, I've been amazed at how many smart people can articulate diametrically opposing views uh, in terms of what's going to happen. So maybe, maybe on that note, like what, you know, what is your crystal ball sort of thinking? Is it, is it, is it quick? Is it, uh, is it protracted? How are you thinking about it just based on your interactions with CIOs and your, your vantage point?
1: Well, again, it goes back to the virus is ultimate coronavirus, COVID-19. That's ultimately what's going to underpin a lot of this. So until we, and testing too, and I don't, make th- I don't mean to make this into a health conversation per se, but at the end of the day, if you look at the economic indicators leading into the virus crisis and, and now economic crisis, they were all really positive across the board. Everything from unemployment numbers to economic growth, GDP, everything was looking really, really good for us. None of that has necessarily changed. What changed was this stinking virus came into our lives. Yeah. And so until we get clarity around where it is and where it isn't and start to create some form of stability, and I don't, just to be clear, I'm not talking about things like immunity passports or anything like that. I'm talking about some degree of certainty around knowing how many people have this already. I mean, if you look at a recent Stanford study in Santa Clara County, what was it, 50 to 85 times the number of yes. people have had it than they originally yeah. thought? It was That's huge. Thought.
0: Yeah. It was mind boggling. And, and I think to that point, you know, really understanding what that means.
1: Right. Uh, Right. Yeah. So if we, if we understand the virus better in terms of widespread testing and even today, testing is available as long as you have symptoms, you can get antibody testing, but then there's questions about the tests and are they accurate and does the FDA approve them? We got to get rid of all this kind of uncertainty to get a foundation of stability. We need leadership. We need stability and understanding where we go with, this, with the health crisis. Once we have that, then we can start to talk about where we build stability in the economic piece. Once we, have that, once we have that virus kind of foundation built, whether it's testing, whether it's herd immunity, whether it's vaccine, now I would expect to see the economy start to ramp back up. Right. And if we can get that, if we can get the virus uncertainty out of the picture as quickly as possible, as quick as we can get that out, the quicker the economic piece will come back. But as long as that sticks around, expect yeah. a nice, slow kind of flying into some form of, of new reality that we live in.
0: Yeah, it's going to be bumpy. Yeah, it will no, be. I, well, I think I respect that because I think it is, it is impossible to predict right now. And you know, you look at things like the stock market has done so well, but what does that really mean? And I remember past to past, uh, you know, economic downturns when it felt so bad when we were inside it, it was probably felt worse than it actually was. Yep. I, I mean, it's just, but it's just, I mean, but the reality is we, you know, nobody really knows. And we'll just take it, you know, we'll just take it a day at a time. But what, the diff-
1: but the yeah, difference yeah. there, Ryan, just real briefly, the difference is with the past downturns, whether it was the dot-com crash, the economic downturn in 2008-2009, there were underlying uh, fiscal issues, financial issues that that drove those downturns. We don't necessarily have those just this, this time around. One well, problem we do have. Right. One problem we do have, and we just saw it today with the unemployment numbers that came out today. Is yes. we've got numbers that that are headed straight toward what we saw in the Great Depression. And God forbid, do we head all the way there? Hopefully we won't. But that's what we need to be concerned about, is how do we keep a balance between the impact of the virus crisis and the impact economically and, and find some happy norm? But I'm glad that's not my decision to make.
0: Well, like you said, the virus probably determines the timeline. So It does. Um, well, what, so what are you doing to stay to stay sane? What I'm just maybe ending on a personal note here. Uh, what, what do you What do you What do you do? You, I guess you can't take walks on the beach, unfortunately. Hopefully, in the next week or two, though, that'll be a possibility. But what What, what are you doing?
1: Yeah, they're ta- They are talking about uh, opening up the beaches for being able to go for a walk, but no sitting, no congregating on the beach. Um, it, it's funny because <laughs> you probably can't hear it, but outside my office window, my wife and a friend of hers, they're sitting in lawn chairs, social distancing in our driveway, um, you know, having a cocktail. And, and so I think the important thing is you've got to find ways to still stay healthy. Underlying, you got to stay healthy. And that health is not just physical health, it's mental health too.
0: Yes, and exactly. So for- yeah. No, I think the mental health key is key uh, in all of this just because of the routines we're all in right now.
1: Absolutely. And so, a good example of this is definitely remember that there are weekends. You know, make sure that you're giving yourself a break. Go get a glass of water. Even though you're in your house and you might only be a few steps between your bed that you sleep in and the desk you work at, find ways to create separation such that you go for a walk in your neighborhood or down the street or in your backyard if you have one, or if you just have a patio, step out onto the patio and look around. One of the things that, um, that we've done, I'll give you two examples. The weekend before last, it was warm here in LA. And so we spent the whole weekend by the pool. We, we barbecued, we had music playing, we sat in the lounge chairs, just like we're sitting at a resort on vacation. Um, the second example, and we were just talking about this at dinner, and that's one thing, you, prob- you probably experienced this too, we've had more meals around the table, the four of us than we have ever had together. Absolutely. Yep. Because of my travel, because of my wife's work schedule, the kids are both in huge competitions and, and activities. Yeah. Yeah. Right. So that's been great. And last night we were sitting around the table and one of the things that we talked about is we, we've lived in this particular house five years, just over five years. And one of the things that we noticed now is we had a bird nest and you can follow me on tim.m.crawford on Instagram because I've got nest watch going on Instagram, but we had a bird's nest. Unfortunately the first nest got trampled, which is a whole story in itself. We now have a second bird's nest that we're tracking and we just discovered last night, we have a hummingbird nest in one of the trees. The conversation we were having last night was, these were probably there all along right. every year. But never because stopped. we are just running with scissors, you know, a million miles a minute, we never stop to look around. Yeah. And so to me, that's where you need to step back, take inventory of what you have personally, not just professionally, personally, emotionally, look around, stop, literally smell the roses. It's incredible. It's well, that, absolutely incredible.
0: And that, that's a great a great story to 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 end on.
1: I Find uh, Your Bird's Nest. <laughs> Thanks for
0: listening. If you found it interesting, please subscribe. If you like it, make sure to share it with your friends. If you've got a suggestion for a topic for this podcast or even a video series, then tweet me. My handle's easy. It's Ryan Floyd all one word. Or send me an email or even leave a comment on my YouTube channel. All right. Until next time. Thanks. Be safe. Thank you for listening. Visit youtube.com. Ask a VC for a video version of this podcast.